Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I want you to open the Word of God with me. We're not going to jump around a whole lot. We're, we're going to stay pretty stationary in one particular scripture that's comprised of about uh, five, nine verses or so, uh, not too many, but uh, that's going to be found in Mark chapter five, chapter five, excuse me, verse 25 through 34. Mark chapter five, verse 25 through 34. I am uh, really excited about this message. It's a continuum of this series that, that I've been preaching on, which is called Reach Forward. Everybody say, Reach Forward. Come on, I want to engage you this morning. Say, Reach Forward. Um, basically, Reach Forward is comprised of uh, many different sermons. It's, it has to do with our vision, what we believe, what we teach, what we're believing God for, our DNA, what makes us as a church tick. Um, and our slogan is reach up, reach forward, and reach out. So I st I'm still stuck in this reach forward part. This is probably the last sermon that I'm going to preach on this particular message, but I, didn't, I felt like the Lord hadn't released me. I felt that there was some more that I wanted to extract out of that um, to inspire you as a church and to also communicate what we're all about. Amen? Amen. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, and I want to begin reading. If you guys want to read along with me, I believe it is up on the screen or, or should be or will be momentarily. If not, you have to use your devices. Verse 25, it says, Now, that, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she learned about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd. Everybody say behind him. That's key. I want to get back to that, but I'll, I'll, I'll make a U-turn here in a, a few minutes. So she went behind him in the crowd, interesting, and touched his garment. For she said within herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. He turned around to the crowd and said, who did touch me? Everybody say, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you or pushing you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want to minister from a subject. There's a subtitle. Now, the title is actually Reaching Forward. Everybody say Reaching Forward. But the subtitle is called Hyper Extension. 
Everybody say hyperextension. If you've lifted weights for any amount of time, uh, you understand what hyperextension means. That means to overextend a certain joint or ligament, which can ultimately cause an injury. But in this case, I want to show you how this will not cause an injury to your spiritual life, but will actually cause healing in your personal life. Everybody say hyperextension. And there's a few things I want to address in this message, and there are four particular points I want to make and that I want to extract or extrapolate from these verses that I think are a part of the DNA and what we're all about here at Ascension. But not only that, but should be the DNA of every believer. I want you to look at somebody and say, that means you. Look at your second choice and say, that means you too. The first thing I want to, to take from this is that this woman was in desperate need, and so she went into a desperate pursuit of Jesus. Everybody say pursuit. In verse 25, she says this. The Bible says this. She suffered many things from many physicians. In other words, she gave years of her time, money, and maybe even her body to people, places, and things that only could offer her hope but could not deliver it. Amen? This verse seemingly addresses only the female gender because it talks about a woman who has an issue of blood, which gives the connotation that she was hemorrhaging. But this doesn't only address women only because there are plenty of men in this room who are spiritually hemorrhaging internally. Men just seem to hide it a little bit more. Sunday morning comes, we put our church clothes on and our church makeup, whether it's in the car or in the mirror, and we dress up things and we would never want to let people know to the degree that we're bleeding. But you know what I'm also seeing? I see that in our personal lives. I'm not just seeing it in our personal lives, but I see the church as a whole hemorrhaging and bleeding. In a desperate, in a desperate um, condition of needing a true move of the Holy Spirit again. I don't know about you guys, but I am sick and tired of churches normal. I'm sick and tired of singing three or four songs, and they're amazing songs, and then we get to a little bit of an announcement, and then we get into a word, and then we send everybody home, yes, ma'am, thank you, ma'am, and we send them home, and we do it all over again next Sunday. But the church of Jesus Christ, from what I find in the New and the Old Testament, was a people who were hungry and pursuant of God, and God was moving among them with miracle signs and wonders following them, validating who they were serving. How many are tired of church's average? Amen? I want to be a person who is passionately pursuing God, but what you're pursuing will, dependent, will be dependent. Everybody say be dependent. It will be dependent upon your healing. A lot of people pursue a lot of things in life. Places, people, things, relationships, money, drugs, alcohol, you name it. But what you are pursuing passionately in life will, will be hinged on what God does in you. This woman wasn't just pursuing just anybody. She was pursuing the only one who had the formula to bring the healing about or the miracle about in her life that would change the trajectory of her life. I want you to look at somebody and say, what are you pursuing? What are you pursuing? I think about how long this woman was 
in pursuit of her healing. The Bible says she spent 12 years, spent all of her money, all of her finances, all of her time and her energy to find healing from someone. 12 years she spent in a desperate search for a miracle and found none. I wonder what you're pursuing this morning. Are you pursuing jobs, success, money, pleasure, comfort, peace? But here's the bigger question. Where are you looking for the answers in? Or who are you looking for those answers in? I love this scripture in Acts. It's in chapter 4, verse 12. It says, nor is there any salvation in any other. There is one name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus. Look at somebody and say, are you pursuing Jesus? Her breakthrough was hinged on her ability to be able to pursue Jesus. Amen? And I think a lot of times the reason why we live such frustrated lives is because we are pursuing imitations, things that, thing, that we think can satisfy whatever it might be, that ultimately leave us empty and broken. Now, I'm going to move through this pretty quick. I want to touch this other thing that I believe I'm seeing in this scripture is that she pressed. Everybody say pressed. So she not only pursued Jesus, the only one who had the answer to her problem, that's the reason why I was trying to get us to push a little bit in worship. Because a lot of people think that if I just give God you know, a prayer, he's going to answer my prayer. God is up to more than just wanting to answer your prayers because the answer to our prayer is found in his presence. So when, if we find out how to pursue him in spirit and in truth, all the answers lies there. In Matthew chapter 6, it says this, first, seek first what? The, the kingdom and, and its righteousness and everything else would be added. Amen? So his promises are in the pursuit Number two, back to number two, she pressed. In verse 27, it says this, watch this. She came behind him in the crowd, remember that. In other words, if she would have just casually walked beside Jesus like everyone else, she would have missed her miracle. There's so many people who come in here that in their mind, they're thinking that they're believing God to do something, but there's no press in their spirit. There's no motivation. They're not really moving towards him. They're around him. There were plenty of people around Jesus, and I'll get to that in a minute, but there was not many people touching him. There was a press in her spirit. So her ability to be able to press caused the healing to make, be made manifest in her life. Now, I don't know what kind of healing. You may not need a physical healing from a bleeding issue, but maybe you need healing in your emotions. Maybe you need healing in your finances. Maybe you need some healing in your mind. Maybe your healing looks like peace in your life. I'm not sure what your healing is, but your healing is, it lies within your ability to be able to press beyond your comfort zone. And that's exactly what this woman did. She pressed beyond her comfort zone in order to get the miracle that she needed. And Philippians chapter three, verse 12 through 14 says this, not that I have already attained, this is Paul speaking, or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. I'm pressing on. I'm moving forward. I'm not going to settle for less than God's best. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward. There it goes, reaching forward, reaching forward. Everybody reach. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You know what I was thinking this morning? I was thinking how much how little results that we are producing in our personal private lives, but also in the church as a whole. And I believe the reason that we produce such little results is because we have such little press. Y'all aren't talking to me. Where is our press as a church? When we're in worship, why is there such little press? And this woman had to step out of her comfort zone and step beyond what was normal for her and press Jesus in order to get her miracle. How many are you are willing to press for the greater things of God? How many are ready for a greater touch from heaven in your life? It's going to take a press. It's going to take a tenaciousness in your spirit to go beyond what you're used to. Because if God is going to do anything, you got to do something that you've never done before. And that would be to press beyond where you are right now. Jesus hasn't lost his ability to heal. The book of Acts, we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit still moving and active on the earth. Jesus isn't just sitting at the throne, just waiting for you to get to heaven so that you can bless him with your presence there. He hasn't lost his ability to be able to heal you. He hasn't lost his ability to be able to move in your situation. You think your finances move God? You think your troubles move God? God can move his finger and your situation be rectified in a moment. He hasn't lost his power. We've lost our press. We have lost our press as a church. We have all these different needs. I see people get on the phone. The first thing people do when they have a problem, they go to their friends and they ask you know, for their suggestions. What should I do about this? Nobody running to God anymore. No more godly press anymore. We have to press. There's a quote by Reinhard Bunke recently on his Facebook page. No, honey, I wasn't scrolling on Facebook page. I don't do Facebook, but I just want to look up Reinhard, see what he was up to. And there was a quote on there that really blessed me. And it said this, this is a person saying, Christianity is boring. And the response was, so is a TV when it's unplugged. Christianity will only work when you plug it in. But you can be a part of either God's frozen chosen and say that you love God and God is the center of your life, but he not be active in any area of your life, or you can simply plug it in and watch God move in your life. But where he begins to move is when you begin to press. And we as a church have to get this tenaciousness back and begin to believe God for who he is. And, and, and I, have, I, just, I have this thought and this belief that the reason why there is such a little faith throughout the whole body of Christ, not this church, but it's because we don't read the word as we should because this is the building blocks of faith. In Hebrews chapter, if it's 111 or 11.1, excuse me for misquoting where it is, but it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Plug it in, plug it in. <laughs> if your faith is not working, plug it in. Look at somebody and say, plug it in. You remember that commercial? Some of these guys, I've seen their faces, they're like, I'm too young for that. I don't even know what that is. 
Amen. Press. Plug it in. Plug it in. My voice cracked. I'm not no Matt Gilman. Her promise was in the press. I wonder what your promise is. And I wonder if the reason it hasn't been made manifest yet is because you are not pressing. The promise was in the press. And there were so many people when I think about this throughout the entire Bible who God had a promise for. I think about Abraham. How can you think about how can you not think about Abraham who had a promise? He was 90 years old. God promised him for years and years and years. The promised son Isaac. You're gonna have Isaac. You're gonna have your son. And he's old and frail and his body not able to physically produce that anymore. And he had to sit and believe God for many, many years until he was almost 100 years old, had to wait on God. I think about all these different people waiting on the Lord. Is anybody waiting on a promise? in this place? Am I the only one? I think about this. I think about this last night. I was putting this message together. I was thinking about how God was actually waiting on them to press. It's not that he didn't want to fulfill the promise. It's that he was simply waiting for them to press in to God, because here's where God wins. We're like, well, if God wanted to do it, he would do it, right? It sounds holy, but it's really not. It sounds right, like if God wants to do it, he's just gonna do it. God wants us to press because he benefits from the relationship he gets from your press, and then you get to benefit from the miracle. So both parties win. When you press, he gets relationship with his creation, and then you get the blessing of getting the miracle manifested in your life that you're believing God for. So everybody wins. God gets the relationship, you get the miracle. But the promise is in the press. Say, the promise is in the press. And God is looking for people. He's looking for a church that is willing to push the boundaries a little bit, push a little bit further in worship, push a little bit further in their prayer, and not be like churches normal, you know, just average people who just come and listen to worship instead of engaging in it. Oh, don't say nothing to me. There are some people who listen to worship. I don't really get that. They listen to worship instead of engaging into it. And we wonder why God's power is not moving in our lives when we're not plugging it in, plugging it in. Amen? Your miracle is in the press. Watch this in verse 30. I'm getting somewhere. Verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. And he turned around in the crowd and said, who did touch my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the whole multitude thronging you and pushing you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. There were plenty of church people around Jesus. You got to get this revelation. Plenty of people touching Jesus physically, but not many moving him spiritually. And we have churches in droves. We don't need another church. I didn't start this to have another church. There's plenty of churches. If the world was going to be saved from churches, the world would have been saved a long time ago. They're on every corner. You can't drive two miles without seeing a steeple. But there's a lot of people hanging around Jesus, but not many extrapolating from his presence because nobody is wanting to press and pay the price in the press. Are you simply going to be a church attendee or are you going to put your dignified disposition aside and press into the greater things of God that he has for you, your life, your family? Somebody say it's in the press. 
I see some of y'all squirming. Number three, I love this, passion. Everybody say passion. I was thinking about what passion it took this lady to move through this crowd and touch Jesus. Really, she had nerve. In those days, in Jewish culture, in the, in the law, she would be called a nidda or, or a menstruating woman. In other words, she would be labeled unclean. And if anybody knew about her issue, she would be in trouble and she would be breaking the religious law. When you're really passionate about Jesus, it will make you break the rules. When you're truly passionate about Jesus, you will put aside your dignified dispositions and you will praise him in a way that he's worthy to be praised. Amen? She would be labeled unclean and there would have to be seven days of cleanness without her bleeding in order for her to be able to attend a synagogue or be a part of some type of gathering. So she was ceremonial unclean. Everybody say she was unclean. But when you are passionate about Jesus, you will move beyond your comfort zone and you will break every religious tradition. It'll make that person who used to be still passion will make you jump around for Jesus. It'll make that person who is like, I praise God inwardly, make you clap your hands and praise God and lift your voice because you understand that he's worthy of it. I hear people all the time, Matt, they, they say, I praise God on the inside. I'm praising him inwardly. And then I go to their house and they invite me over and they watch a game. And they're no longer praising inwardly. <laughs> Let me ask you something. How does your passion for God compare to your passion for baseball, football, and UCF fights? For you women, say yes to the dress. Is that what y'all are watching now? Or what are y'all watching? Give me a woman's who okay, I don't know. I don't know. Well, say yes to the dress. My wife gets excited when she watches this show. Whatever woman's show that you want to say. What does your passion look like in comparison to your favorite show? I'll go over to the house and oh yeah, that's awesome. And then they're in church and they're God's frozen chosen. And so I question the level of passion. And if we're going to see God really work in our lives, we are going to have to develop a passion. For him. And that's what this woman did. She put all her dignification aside and she was passionate. And her passion made her break the rules because sometimes God doesn't move until you break the rules and come out of yourself and are willing to look foolish in the eyes of people and get rewarded by God. Amen, preacher. You know, I was thinking about this recently. I often ask Matt, because he travels a lot. You were talking about, I, I, I can get myself in trouble because I like to work. That's not a great thing. I can just work, and that's kind of, uh, you know, my mother having three jobs growing up. My, my dad was pretty much a workaholic, so I, I have a, it's, it's a struggle for me not to be doing something. And um, so I don't get to travel a lot, so I live vicariously through Matt. He travels a whole lot. And I always ask him, you know, what did God do there? Or what did he do here? And what's compared, you know, what is this place compared to this place? And we, and we talk a lot about this. He's my good friend. And, um, and when I got to go to Guatemala and I seen God work in some, in some different ways. And, and I was thinking to myself, all these different places he goes. And, and would you say Brazil is probably one of the most passionate people? Would you say that? 
he uh, showed me this video, and for the first time, I hope this is okay. <laughs> what do you call those? <laughs> a crowd what? A crowd surf. He literally jumps. <laughs> I wish we had the video. I'd play it right now. There's this crowd full of Brazilians. I mean, it's a full crowd, like he's at a concert, and Matt jumps into the crowd, launches. I mean, this is not Matt. Matt doesn't do this kind of stuff. And they're literally lunging him around. It's called crowd surfing, like you would see at a mosh pit. And Matt's getting bounced around. It was absolutely hilarious. So I ask him about all these different places and how, he, how he's experiencing God in these different churches. And I thought to myself, it's not that God is a, acts different in certain places. It's not that at all. You see him move in Guatemala, you'll see him move in Brazil, and then we come to America. It's not like it's a half Holy Spirit here and a whole Holy Spirit out in Guatemala or in Brazil. What I have found, it's when I go into atmosphere when people are passionate. Because your passion in your heart for God extrapolates or, or extracts from his power. And that's exactly what happened with this woman. Had this woman not been impassioned for Jesus and passionately pursued him and pressed him, she would have not withdrawn from his presence and his power, which in turn created the miracle for her. So when I see different moves of God all around the country, I've been studying different moves of God, Brownsville and all these different places that God has moved. The common denominator when I've seen God move is seeing people who have pressed him, who have pursued him, and who have been passionate for the presence of God. Amen. In Revelation, it, it says this. It says in chapter 3, verse 15, for your reading through verse 16. I know this is a hard scripture. I struggled. I didn't even want to say the end of it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I know it's not this church, but maybe it's for somebody who's going to be listening via, via podcast. I know your works and that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. God is saying to his people, I would rather you be impassioned for me or not to come to church at all. Now, having a church this small, that would be deadly for a pastor to say. But God is looking for people to be hungry for him again. I believe there's a swell in the spirit and there's something about to happen in the church worldwide and in our personal lives, and I cannot put my finger on it, but I was in the ocean not too long ago. It's been a few months back, and as I'm in this ocean, uh, there are undertoes that happen in the ocean, while I was sitting in that ocean, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I felt this undercurrent coming, and then I knew a wave would be coming soon. It's almost like this swell and this growl that you're feeling. And I looked back, and there's this big wave, and I ended up riding this wave in. I body surf. I love surfing. I love swimming. But the whole point of it was the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is what's about to happen to the nation, but not many people can sense what's happening in the undercurrent. And there's about to be such a swell and such an awakening and such miracle-working power that's going to hit the body of Christ that it's going to change our nation. And we have to get into the spirit and be able to sense that God is about to do something. But when God is generally about to do something, things seem stale and they seem, seem still. But when you get into the spirit and you get into a place of prayer, you can begin to hear and you can begin to feel what is happening in the undercurrent of America and around the world. And God is about to do something amazing. How many want in? Amen. He's going to crowd surf next Sunday. <laughs> That's awesome. 
I thought about this. I visualize in this narrative that I'm reading about this woman with this issue of blood, this woman who is hemorrhaging, going after God. And we often think that, you know, God, you pursue me, right? This is how we selfishly think. We don't want to admit it, but God, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you pursuing me? Why aren't you doing X, Y, Z in my personal life? And we have a nation, we have churches that are filled with this type of thinking. But what I thought about is that maybe Jesus was waiting on her to touch him versus the other way around. Think about that. Could it be that God is waiting for a touch from you before he does something? God, that's so good. Just think about that with me. She is pursuing him, comes from behind, and he's waiting on a touch from her before he moves on her behalf. But we come to church waiting for a touch from God. When God is in heaven saying, why don't you come and pursue me a little bit harder? Why don't you press a little bit more in worship? Why don't, why don't we make a deal? Why don't you reach out and extend and hyperextend your arm and touch me before I move on your behalf? But we have a generation of people who are spiritually lazy and don't want to push beyond their comfort zone. Maybe God is waiting on you to press. Maybe God is waiting for you to hyperextend beyond your comfort zone, not just a reach, but a reach, and extend all the way out in your spirit, man, in your heart and in your mind, extend beyond where you're comfortable and watch God move on your behalf as you reach out and you touch him. This whole thought of, God, won't you touch me? Touch me afresh. And I pray these kind of prayers and you don't think they're foolish, but when you really think about it, maybe God is waiting for a touch from us. Maybe he's waiting on a roar in the spirit when we don't have to play music loud just to get everybody's voices loud. What about when God is ready to move? Maybe he's waiting to move, but he's waiting for that moment for us to touch him with our voices, with our heart, through prayer, through fasting, through seeking the face of God as a church body. Amen? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Preach it, pastor. Well... I grew up in a predominantly African-American church, so you'll have to forgive me. That's why I say touch your neighbor so much. Well, slap your neighbor. Touch three people say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Well, come on, y'all ain't saying nothing. Second Chronicles, (laughs) we're going to have fun today. Second Chronicles, going to make me red, I'm white. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You see that? You see what God is doing? He's saying, get passionate first, then I'll move. It's not he's going to move and then you're going to serve him, or he's going to move and then you're going to get impassioned for him. He's waiting for our passion, waiting for us to touch him, and then in turn, out of that, he begins to move by his spirit and power. So 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name, watch, who does something first? will humble themselves, that's first, then pray, and then seek my face. Then they will turn from their wicked ways. Then I will I hear from heaven. Then I will forgive their sins and then heal their land. God is asking us first to step up and touch him before he touches us. So maybe these prayers we must put aside and bury right? This prayer of God, why don't you touch me? How about every Sunday morning and Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday, we pursue touching God and let's watch him touch our situation. Amen? And as I close, it's my favorite point. Desperation. In this woman, in her pursuit of Jesus, there was a, there was a desperation. 
I'm worried about when I, when I see, when I, when I did get to travel and when I've got to travel the little bit that I have, um, when, when, I, when I see these third world countries and just overseas, you're, you're seeing a desperation in people. And, and I am concerned that one of the devil's tactics, the enemy's tactics in America is he's created so many outlets and solutions for us whereby we don't need to seek God. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.